Chapter 9 The Man of Rest Lamech lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Genesis 5 28 29. This is the utterance of faith. It's the voice of a believing man that we hear in Lamech's words. Lamech speaks because God had spoken to him. It's not mere parental yearning. It's not mere selfish weariness crying out under toil. It's not the expression of a dark and vague hope. It is faith speaking out the revelation that God had made to it regarding creation's deliverance, and it is the first indication we have as to the removal of the curse as to the rest and consolation. It is a double prophecy. By this I don't mean a doubtful or a conditional prophecy. There is no such thing as a conditional prophecy. If it be prophecy, it is not conditional. If it be conditional, it is not prophecy. A double prophecy is one that takes in two events, persons, or places in one description, the near and the far, predicting both, while seeming to predict only one. Like David in Psalm 72 points both to Solomon and to a greater than Solomon, and as Isaiah points to the Babylon of his day and Babylon the Great. The prophet sketches a scene or person immediately before his eye, but in language that indicates a far greater is coming. The near or miniature sketch is drawn so as to bring out the full features of the larger and more distant. So is it here with Lamech. God reveals to him the future of two persons and two things, one his own son, and a far greater, of whom his son was but the shadow, and two, the alleviation or removal of earth's curse, partially under Noah, fully under the greater than Noah. There are two remarkable prophecies before the flood. The first is that of Enoch concerning Messiah's coming with his saints to destroy the wicked. This was a double prophecy, relating both to the flood and to the judgment at the Lord's coming. The second is that of Lamech concerning the rest of the saints, 2 Thessalonians 1 7, King James Version, and the removal of the curse. Let's look into this second prophecy. 1. The curse on the ground. When man sinned, the first stroke of the curse fell. It had now lasted about fifteen centuries unabated. It was something real. Its results were both barrenness in what was good and fruitfulness in evil. The whole creation groaned. The blight and sadness were felt everywhere. It was a record of human sin, God's visible testimony to the greatness of the first sin, the one sin of primary disobedience. Cursed is the ground because of you. Genesis 3:17. It is not yet removed. Creation is still subject to vanity. Corruption, mortality, decay, and death are here. It has been a long curse, yet it is the memorial of a single sin. 2. Man's Toil and Weariness The whole verse breathes weariness and heaviness of spirit, almost despair. The world was growing more wicked and more luxurious. It was increasing in population. Men were not allowed to eat flesh nor to kill animals except for sacrifice. These animals, increasing rapidly, would require immense pasturage. Man's toil would increase greatly. It would become quite oppressive and overwhelming. 
He didn't know what to do, nor which way to turn. Toil, toil, toil. This was his daily lot. In the sweat of his face he was made to eat his bread. The curse on the ground did not grow lighter, and his labor grew heavier. What with barrenness in good and fruitfulness in evil, it demanded endless labor of him and weariness. He groaned under it, along with a groaning creation. He was compelled to sympathize with the groaning and laboring creature. Such should be our feeling. Our toil may not be quite so oppressive. We don't depend as much on our toil. The tools of art and the permission to eat animal food have alleviated our labors. But still, creation groans, and man eats his bread by the sweat of his face. 3. Man's Longing for Comfort The words of the verse are those of the worker looking for the shadow and longing for rest. These patriarchs were aged men, some nearly a thousand years old. One thousand years of toil! What a life! If threescore and ten is so wearisome to some, what would one thousand be? Lamech, when he uttered these words, was one hundred and eighty-two. Surely he had known toil and weariness beyond what we can do. Do we wonder that he longed for comfort, that he sighed for rest, and that he breathed out these deep longings for deliverance? Are we not longing too? Is toil so sweet that we wish for its continuance? Or is rest so terrible that we don't desire it and say, How long? For Man's Expectation of Deliverance He knew that the condition of earth was not hopeless. He would gather from the first promise that God meant at some time or other to undo the curse. And while he sympathized with the groaning and toiling of creation, he joined in its earnest expectation. Romans 8, 19, King James Version. He sustained himself under his toil by the expectation of rest. He wasn't satisfied to remain forever toiling and sweating. It was part of his creed to look for rest, to grasp the coming consolation. Man labored and was heavy laden, but he heard the voice of the true Noah saying, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. And five, man's expectation was connected with one individual to be born in due time. Lamech had been taught by God to expect something in connection with his son, whom he named Noah, in consequence of this expectation. And in his time relief was granted. The alleviation, though not the removal, of the curse and the toil. First, Noah received the confirmation of the first blessing given to Adam before he fell. Second, in his time man's life began to be shortened. Third, permission was granted to kill animals and eat their flesh. And fourth, special attention was directed to husbandry when Noah began farming. Genesis 9:20. These partial alleviations given in connection with Noah were figures of the complete deliverance of creation in connection with a greater than Noah. In the day of the Son of Man, the day of the manifestation of the sons of God, of those of whom Enoch prophesied, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones. Jude verse 14. Thus we anticipate the deliverance of creation, the removal of the curse in the day of the Son of Man, when he will say, Behold, I am making all things new. Revelation 21, 5. The greater than Noah is at hand, and with him the manifestation of the sons of God, and with that 
the rest that remains for the people of God, the times of the restitution of all things when barrenness will be exchanged for fruitfulness, and the wilderness will rejoice and blossom as the rose. 4. According to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. 2 Peter 3.13. Seeing then that we look for such things, what kinds of people we should be in all holy conversation and godliness?